Stories are the language of the soul. They have a way of penetrating the heart in a way few other influences can. This is why Jesus used storytelling so often to illustrate deeper truths. He knew the power of a story to cut through to the heart. These now famous stories are known as parables. They were Jesus's way to communicate an important kingdom principle in a form that we could remember and that would meet us where we are at. Although the details of these stories were fictitious, the kingdom principles are not. Today, they continue to remind us who God is and what he calls us to be a part of and how much he loves us. Well, good morning. Um, goodness. Am I standing at this? Am I standing back? This is my first scenario here because you were back here. Does it matter? I'm wherever? Okay. Okay, um, um, well, first of all, happy Mother's Day, um, goodness, yes, we want to celebrate that, and I, and I totally get, there are nuances that I will never understand the, the, the depth, there are so many layers to Mother's Day, right, and we think of generations of some of us, um, so, some in the room are, are super grateful, I think probably all of us are super grateful for moms or mother figures in our life, there's also aches of moms that are no longer with us, or desires of moms that haven't gotten the chance to, um, women who have wanted to be moms and haven't gotten the chance, there's so many, so many things of that, and, and, but we do just want to honor and celebrate, so God, thank you for the gift of moms, um, I think when I close my eyes and I think of, of moms, I think of so many great women who you have allowed to serve in that space. And we just want to, to give thanks for them today. That's right. We just want to give thanks, God. You are the giver of good things, and moms are good, and we're grateful for that gift. And for those of us who are reeling, um, for, for someone who we've lost, or those who have, who have a reeling for, maybe it's a mom that's, that, that's passed away or just the des desire to experience motherhood that hasn't been part of their story yet. God, I pray that you would come and meet in that space as well. Or moms that are... are not feeling celebrated or, or maybe are estranged from their kids or whatever the story is, God, I pray that you would use even this Mother's Day to bring your healing ointment to hearts. Amen. All right, so fair warning um, when uh, Susie said some really kind words, but the reality is is sometimes when I get... Um, Sometimes when I get really upset or scared or um, whatever, 
sometimes I shut up and I, I like shut down and curl up into a ball, right? And I just don't want to come out for a while and I want to take a nap and I just want to sleep this bad day off. And then sometimes I double down and I say, well, I'm going to use all this like nervous energy to produce something, right? And so uh, it's funny because like I'm a big sports fan. If my sports team, if I'm real hyped for a game and it's halftime and my team is not doing well and they're just like, I showed up as a fan, but they didn't show up as athletes or whatever. Um, I've written sermons in those spaces because I like use that, I like harvest that negative energy or like frustration to say, fine, well, something good's going to come out of this evening. Um, and so um, I'm not, and I have notes here um, that I'm sure I will stick to, um, but I also be full disclosure that I don't know what's going to come. And I feel. Um, very weak in this space and in this week, and so I will um, just say, come Holy Spirit, right, as um, I'm so grateful for the decades of this church family and how it has taught me, what a sweet moment of worship, right, that we all just experienced together. Um, some of my favorite songs, a good good choice, Pam, Susie, I don't know who chose those, but some of my favorite songs made the list today, and it was just a sweet uh, gift of kindness from our king that I felt I got to experience this morning. So when dad has a heart attack, words that I don't like to say, um, I'd like less to experience. I will say we feel, as Susie said, shared, very fortunate that all is well. Um, I, I've been, you know, as you do, you Google things, right? And so, and you listen to doctors and we've heard things like heart healthy diet, and quality walking shoes. Both of those things have been emphasis, point of emphasis in the Shunk household this week. Um, and we're excited that we believe it's going to stay that way, um, Dad's health. Um, so we're very, very grateful. Um, something else I'm grateful for is it was really cool as we were, even the, the, like the very first nurse that was walking Mom and I back to a room to, to meet Dad um, shared, hey, I recognize you. I'm friends with so-and-so. Um, I, I go to South Union Christian Church, and then we got in the room, and the, and the nurse was saying, and I, hey, um, I heard your worship music playing, and I, I actually go to High Rock Church, and then uh, the like head nurse over the floor came in, and I, I have coached football with her husband for years, and she's like, I know that they go to the Lutheran Church, and God just put Jesus following people all along our way to just say, hey, you're, you're in good, you're in with a family, you're in good company, and so God, God really gave us um, just a sweet, overall, really positive experience at the hospital this week. And while we're grateful for such a positive outcome, we're also keenly aware that um, it doesn't always go like that, okay? And so, in fact, the timing was kind of interesting. Um, while we were there, it was Abby's mom's birthday. And so, uh, my wife, Abby, um, we lost her mom to cancer eight and a half years ago, and every May 3rd is kind of like a somber day in our house. Mother's Day is like this bittersweet thing in our house, right? Um, many of you are experiencing those emotions this morning. Um, you don't know if you're laughing or crying or both, and it's all of it, right? You know what? I got to break the ice a little bit. I'm going to share. I'm watching Jimmy Fallon the other night, and my, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was known for saying one phrase all the time. We have, we have uh, her handwriting. She actually wrote it in a journal like over her kids' names, and we took that piece of that journal and put it up. Um, we had a friend painted on our wall in our living room, and it says, I love you with all my heart, okay? And I have a voice recording of a voicemail that she left um, to Abby years ago, and, and, and closing, her, her standard closing was, I love you with all my heart. 
and I was watching Jimmy Fallon, and they did like Mother's Day hashtags this week, and they said, this one lady said, my aunt said, I love you with all my butt. I would say my heart, but my butt's bigger, okay? <laughs> so we got a good tears of joy out of that this morning, a little fun twist on, on Linda's saying, um, but it's so good. I also love that I get to say things like, I'll probably say a few things today because dad's not here and I'm not going to get anything, you know, flack until we get over their house for dinner later. So you're welcome if you're watching at home. Um, but we're keenly aware that not all hospital visits go like that, right? And so while we were there, I have a really close friend um, uh, that I just regularly am in text communication with. We, um, we serve together in ministry. Um, we are... We text each other most days. More often than not, we're texting back and forth. He's the kind of friend that if there's a, uh, like a basketball game, the playoffs are on right now, we're texting each other about what's going on at, at 11 o'clock at night on many nights. Well, this week our text messages were different because both of our dads had heart attacks last weekend. And um, with every great result we got back, I'm texting him good results. They were the opposite. And so with every positive news we got, they got negative news. And where my dad got to come home midweek, his dad went to be with Jesus midweek. And so yesterday we spent Saturday um, at hours at a celebration of life service for his dad. And that was tough. And here's what I'll tell you. The only thing that kept me and my friend from spiraling this week was Jesus. As we walked along very different circumstances, both had very alarming beginnings to the week. Both had very different outcomes. My trajectory got to go up. His trajectory was worse and worse. And our Saturdays were way different. But we were able to draw strength from Jesus. And knowing that both my dad and his dad, Brian's his dad's name, that they were both in deeply abiding relationships with the Father, well, that was, that was the only thing that provided solace. No matter what any test result showed. Brian, my, my friend's dad, who we celebrated yesterday, was famous for saying, keep the main thing the main thing. It was one of his taglines in life. And by the main thing, he meant Jesus and the truth and salvation that is found in the kingdom of God. And keeping our eyes and our heart focused on things above is the only way to truly live this life. So I'll say it again. The only thing that kept me and my friend from spiraling this week was Jesus. And as we sat in this hospital room on Monday, and I talked about just kind of my nervous energies, like, okay, well, we got to, you know, kind of protector mode, and what, what are we going to do for dad? And sometimes, I, you know, I don't know. Um, Dad and I started talking about his sermon series a little bit. So he said he's been highlighting how Jesus used stories, parables, right, to communicate kingdom truth. And everyday things that people would already be very familiar with, um, whether they were working in their gardens or or their jobs or even sitting bedside with a patient, right? He would take these things and he would draw out ways to paint pictures of the coming of the kingdom of God. And so we're going to start in Matthew 13 today. We're going to look at one of those parables. So if you have your Bible or your favorite Bible app or whatever, whatever you want to draw that up, we're going to look at Matthew 13. If you're not used to opening a Bible, about two-thirds of the way through, open it up 
Um, you're going to find probably Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in that area. Um, so Matthew, this is the, the beginning of what's called the New Testament. Okay. And so I'm going to start in verse 1. Matthew 13 is what we're looking at. And it says, later that same day, Jesus left the house. Okay. An everyday place. I love, I love how we get a little bit of a setting of these stories sometimes. He's leaving an everyday place, and he sat beside the lake. Okay, that's an everyday thing that he would do. Very normal thing, going about his day. A large crowd soon gathered around him, and so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. So I think I, I like those first few verses because they just give us a glimpse. Pretty normal day. Jesus is going to draw a, a, a huge kingdom truth in the midst of something seemingly so normal. Listen, Jesus says, a, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds, well, they fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns. They grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This parable has taken some new life to me over the last couple of months. I've heard some people say, and, and many, maybe many of us are even experiencing this, we kind of feel like um, culturally the ground is crumbling beneath our feet. It feels like there's just one devastating blow after another. Maybe some like institution that I've always trusted, I'm like, Boy, that's something that maybe I've raised funds for it, or I've marched for it, or I've, I've championed this particular cause, and I'm finding out that this particular institution or organization is something that actually there's some dark secrets about it that are being exposed, and I'm having a hard time reconciling that. Or maybe it's um, an ideology that I've just had for a long time, and now that I'm finding out ah, there's actually more layers to it than I once I originally thought. Or maybe it's a hero of ours. We've seen a hero that we've kind of put on a pedestal in our life. We all do that, right? Like we know that there isn't supposed to be anybody really in those places, but we do it, right? We, we have those heroes, and I don't know that that's entirely a bad thing, but when one of those heroes, guess what, isn't Jesus? And they fall short, and they make grave mistakes, and then they cover them up, and then they entangle a lot of people in their cover-up, and then more and more people are, get hurt through their mistakes, we're one of those people that are let down, and it feels like, oh, really them? Like, they were one of the good ones. They were, they were the salt of the earth type people. They were the, oh, I held them in such a different light, and if it's them, what does that say about anybody else? And we feel like so much of the ground underneath us, like things that we've stood on boldly before, have left the ground feeling crumbly. For many of us, things that maybe we've just assumed to be true, they've been challenged, and there's an opportunity to really dig in to why and what we believe, and that could be a really good thing. 
The, the, the cultural upheaval of the last couple of years has left many of us feeling like we don't even have a solid footing. What's going to be challenged next? Is there anything to what people are saying about those issues that, that I always thought were so cut and dry? When I do put my foot down and take my stand on some truth, is the ground beneath me going to hold? It can be unnerving. It can be unsettling. But when we look at this parable, which soil do we most want to find ourselves in when the sower comes through? Well, if the ground is pretty crumbly, I'm pretty sure that's the kind of ground that's going to allow a seed to take root. Frankly, there's no better time than now to start spreading some of that seed. As a watching world is feeling a load of uncertainty. Some of you have heard me share this story countless times, but buckle in, you're going to get a glimpse of it again. Um, so since it's Mother's Day, I'd like to revisit it. But um, if, you, if we've been friends for a while, there's a really good chance you know that there was a really pivotal moment in my life in January of 2008 when I lost my job. Um, and just, just a glimpse into that story had been promised kind of a lot of things. 90 days in was said, was brought in the office, don't come back. I decided I didn't want to pay you what I offered you. Out of the blue. Had left a pretty stable situation. All of a sudden, by the way, it's 2008. For those of us who remember the economy around that time, a lot of people were experiencing un, um, you know, economic uncertainty and things like that. January 11th, 2008 was that day. I remember January 11th because it was also mom's birthday, okay? Showed up to their house, mom's birthday dinner. I apologize right away. She meets me at the front door. I apologize. I'm so sorry this happened on your birthday. I'm, I, I was, I was not, I'm not able to mask my emotions really well. I'd be the world's first worst poker player. Take my money. Just go. Okay, it's over. All aces, I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't play cards because I know I'm a bad poker player from the jump. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm not great at hiding my emotions. She, I'm telling her all my sob story. I apologize, blah, blah, blah. She says, stop. This is the, day, this is the best birthday gift I've ever received. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, sounds cruel from the onset. But then she said, this is the day the Lord's releasing you into full-time vocational ministry. My heart was crumbled. But in that space, I had been prepared for a seminal moment. For that prophetic word to be spoken like only a praying mom can do. Right? I wouldn't have received that that way had my day not shattered my heart. And the soil of my heart had become crumbled to hear it. I wouldn't have left my job to take that vocational ministry position that I ended up landing four months later. There was a significant pay cut and involved, well, oh, by the way, you not only get paid less, you also raise all of your own support. I didn't have the faith to make that leap on my own. But once the security of my other job was taken out of the equation, I had a new framework, right? That's what different types of soil can do to a heart. 
our discouraging circumstances provide an increased awareness and appetite for God's movement in our lives. I bolded that in my notes, and I'm going to read it again because I want that to settle in. Our discouraging circumstances. Anybody had a discouraging circumstance, right? We're there right now. We've been there heavily for the last couple. I don't want to be like doomsday guy, but it, right? I want to be reality person. We have had discouraging circumstances. I've, I, I've started seeing a counselor for the first time in my life over the last couple of years. And when I went to my counselor the first time, I said, here's what I feel like. My heart is a rubber band that just keeps getting stretched and sent, stretched and sent. And I feel things so deeply and I'm sad and I'm strained. And then all of a sudden really cool happens and we I'm flying through the air and it's awesome. And then I get picked back up off the ground and that rubber band is like, oh, another divorce. Oh my goodness. I can't handle this. This is too sad. Whee! Oh wow. This is amazing. This cool thing is happening. And circumstances allow that to happen, right? It's like I had it described. I saw my counselor this week, scheduled an appointment. Imagine that this week. Um, but she, I think it's called the, I, I, I'm not, I think it's called the sympathetic nervous system, right? She talked about how the smoke alarm of my heart keeps going off and I don't know like what's a true trigger and what's not. And it's like, these things are happening and it's like, our discouraging circumstances provide an increased awareness and appetite. We see what's going on, and we're also eager for it to happen, for God's movement in our lives. He's already done the big stuff. He came, he came in the flesh, right? He lived a perfect life. He subjected himself to the brutal crucifixion. We just come off of celebrating Easter, um, the, the, the separation from the Father. Then he overcame that death, right? And he's giving us the opportunity to have his Holy Spirit living in us. And now we get to live into this invitation and calling to get an opportunity to serve as his ambassadors. Declaring, announcing, inviting the watching world around us that the kingdom of God has arrived. And the kingdom of God is unlike any other that we've experienced. The king of that is like any other that I've ever experienced. Not only is he actually all-powerful, omnipresent, all-knowing, fully sovereign. He's actually those things where other kings or rulers desire or claim to be those things. He is. He actually fits the billing. He also, in that space, think about so powerful, present, knowing all the things, every power that you could have. He's got all the stones on the, the Thanos hand, right? He also leads with compassion. He's also marked with kindness. He's also full of joy. Oh, and by the way, he's also the personification of love. He's the best case scenario. And it's 100% even better than we can imagine. It's the only solid footing that we have in this world is Jesus. Not the people we put on pedestals, not the institutions we've put our trust in, not ideologies that we've always kind of put filtered our rest of our thoughts through. Those are not our places of security because each and every one of those will let us down. I will let you down. The friend sitting next to you will let you down. It happens. Jesus doesn't. Not Jesus. But we miss it when our hearts aren't in a crumbled state to receive that. 
we get confident, right? The, 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 the ground gets trampled down. We've been there before. We got this. The key in this is not only the preparedness or openness of our hearts, but also those around us who we would like to share the good news with. Because it's not just about us. That's why this isn't an isolated faith scenario. That's why if you're, if you're watching at home and you have, I can say this, maybe, I don't know, maybe I have a little more freedom because I don't know. If you're watching at home and if there's an opportunity for you to come back in this room, find a way to do that because there's only so much community that can happen right there. I want to invite you. There's some seats here for you because community happens when you get in the same space. But as we share this good news of the kingdom of God arriving, our posture in our approach is huge. If we come in like a bomb, we'll add to the destruction and devastation of that ground. It can actually be super harmful. See the, if you're into podcasts, see the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, okay? Watch that jerk of a pastor and do a lot of damage, okay? And not only him, his posse that he then involves. It matters. We can come in and be crass and declare war on our culture and tell people how it is and abuse scriptures to bully people into repentance. But that's not it. That's not what we see with Jesus. We could actually, we could do that and cause more damage when we're thinking we're doing good. Or we can take the approach that actually comes from Scripture, like Paul highlights in Romans 2, 4, when he says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness is what will lead you to repentance, to our friends to repentance. So many Christians have lost their bearings and think that leading people to Jesus is a conquest. When it's really an invitation. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Truth without kindness can be really damaging. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good violent metaphor, okay? I love thinking of the difference that a jackhammer can make when something needs to be broken down. Something that's hard to break through. I, I love that. I love that imagery. And there's a place for those. When someone tries to put barriers between marginalized or weak or seemingly insignificant people and God, we see our God act in power. As a former kickoff team specialist, okay, my, my love is football, and there's probably no, nothing I loved more than being on the kickoff team. I love the idea of flying down the field, kamikaze style, and doing violent things to accomplish my desired will. I'm on a mission, and I'm going to knock your head off till I get there. I love those things. Sign me up for that, okay? But in pursuit of our hearts, that's just not a style. 
That's not his personality. That's not his approach. It's more like rainwater. Allowing the Holy Spirit to use our lives, our actions, our words, to be guided gently into each crack and crevice of this crumbled soil of people's hearts. Is your approach to sharing your faith with your friends or enemies or whoever's in the watching world of your circle of influence a jackhammer or rainwater? Because when there's his living water working its way into those places, it's actually addressing the most parched areas of our friends' souls. And that's where things soften. And that's where new life can begin. That's where new roots can form. And so we pick back up in Matthew 13, verse 18, where Jesus explains this parable. Verse 18 says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath, that represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it. Then, then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. How sad that is. The, the seed on the rocky soil, that represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or, or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns, that represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life or the, the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil, that represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. Done a little reading on coronary heart disease this week. It's the number one killer in the world. What's also true about it is I've read 80 to 90% of it is preventable through a heart-healthy diet, regular exercise, and not smoking. Looking at you, Dad. It's not a time for you to pick up those cigarettes again after a few decades off. If we look at our hearts through a spiritual lens, the disease of sin is trying to take us out. And we as Christians know that what is 100% effective of conquering sin and death is the blood of Jesus. So maybe you're here today, and I don't know everybody here, and you have yet to receive that gift of salvation. You have yet to surrender yourself and say, Jesus, you, I'm making you Lord of my life. I'm handing over the reins.
you know, sometimes um, we go to Nashville every year around Christmas time as a family and we take a sign. It's been a fun kind of a, a milestone. Re remember what year it was and how big the kids have grown or what kids came that year or whatever. We, there's a sign of this really cool shop, Life is Good, right? And we take a picture and we, we, we celebrate that life is good. And in that moment, maybe life is good. And we post it on Instagram and Facebook and do all the things and because, because we do, we do want to celebrate. And there, it's right to celebrate when things are good. But I sometimes wear a t-shirt or a hat that says life is good that I buy at the store. Sometimes, sometimes life is good. Sometimes life is a crap sandwich. I got an amen from Pat in the back. Jesus, Jesus is good. So here's your invitation. We're going to take communion. If you haven't gotten your elements, we have some here. Anybody not get some? Oh, we got, yeah. Will you actually take that basket? I want this one. I'm hungry. <laughs> call it communion. We call it Lord's Supper. We call it Eucharist. Here's what it is. It's an everyday thing that Jesus took to communicate a really cool kingdom truth and the announcement of the kingdom of God coming in our lives. A new way of living, a new way of experiencing life. This morning you came in here and if you, if you haven't been walking with Jesus and you're like, what is going on? You're in this crazy room of people talking about one of their heroes, to be honest, having a really scary, terrifying week. And out of their exhaustion, they're saying, I've got one response. I've got just one move. With my arms stretched wide, I will worship you. And you're thinking, man, the world that's going on around us right now the devastation, the, the really hard things that the people in this room have experienced, and that's what they're singing together? They came, they came and they gathered in this space to sing those lyrics together? Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song, because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. The story started with Jesus walking by a lake, and we end around a table. Because that's the place that Jesus invites us to return to. Jesus purposely wanted to use the natural things we experience in this world to draw us into a new supernatural reality. He knew our propensity to lose focus. He knew our propensity to lose our, to, to, to diminish our appreciation or our recognition of our reliance on him. He knew those things would fade. So he invited us into a practice of remembering. How long can you go without a meal? few weeks ago I had a really busy day and so I just kind of worked through lunch and skipped it I started to get a headache 
I came home, I got another headache. That one was because Abby started yelling at me because I had skipped lunch. The point is I had ignored my need for the very sustenance that allows me to keep going. Jesus wants us to remember that he is our sustenance. He is our everything. And he's done everything. So he invites us to the table to share a meal. Often. With other people. In, re in remembrance of him. The reason I wanted this basket, I wanted to highlight, like, we're not going to use all these today. But this is the sustenance that I need to keep going on, what is it, May 8th? This one somebody's going to need in a couple weeks. This one maybe in a month. Because he keeps inviting us back to this place to say as often as you break this bread and drink from this cup, I just want you to remember I'm all you need. It's more of an invitation than a conquest, right? It's what a sweet invitation it is. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread, sitting around a table with some friends, one of whom wasn't going to be a very good friend, most of whom, all of whom were going to let him down anyway. He knew that. But he said, let's have, a, let's have, let's have another meal together. When we do this again, it's going to look different. But until we do this again, I want you to have this to hold on to. That as often as you eat and drink, I want you to remember. I want you to do this together. So he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and remember. I'm all you need. And he took the cup and he said, how weird would this have been, right? Like Jesus is telling all these weird stories about mustard seeds and soil and it just doesn't make sense. But now he's talking about his body and his blood poured out for us. What in the world? But those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take it and drink it. Jesus, we thank you that you are all that we need and all that we have. What a gift it is to have what you need. And as this worshiping body gets together to express whether you've made them a painter or a dancer or a sitter or a prayer. They can know that first and foremost, the thing that ties them together is they're your child.
Thank you for the gift of this morning. Your, your sweet and kind presence has been with us, bringing an ointment to our hearts. If there's any work that you need to do in our hearts to make it more fertile, we invite you into that space. And we invite your holy rainwater to come down and soften and work its way through every crack and crevice. That we might experience your kingdom more fully and worship you with everything that we have. Thanks for coming this morning. Have a great week.